live. Hi, and welcome to Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with fitness model and world traveler. Majestic Sting. You can call me Michael Majestic Sting. Majestic Sting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today, sexy? I am doing pretty well. Um, just got done working. Um, I think sometimes work is therapy as well. It keeps you busy in your mind so you don't go crazy. So I'm okay now. I'm going to go to the gym afterwards and be set. Yeah. How about you? I am good. Today was... I will, I will say this. Usually... <laughs> Usually on the weekends, I take the weekend off, but I'm like, I had an idea of something and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a Twitch stream, like live performance before this. So I did that like four hours ago. So literally like I got out of drag just to get back in the shower, get into drag again. Okay. And like, What's your passion? That's good. It. Yeah. Yeah. I do. It was... I will say this because as as I was telling you before, I was a singer songwriter, and it's it's like you saw that I was a singer songwriter. It's like I did like three songs, two of which I hadn't done before, and it's like I how'd it go? It here's the thing: the live stream didn't go that well because like I didn't promote it because I kind of was just one of those things where I was like I'm just gonna do this, but. The video's doing all right. It's, as I said, usually I can tell when something's going to be, like, towards the end of today. Like... Yeah. Have but, you ever thought about TikTok live stream? Because that one is very successful. I... Well, actually, I do, do, you, I do it on TikTok my phone, but stream, I probably could. I would say TikTok live stream, I feel like people are doing, like, bare minutes. <laughs> some people they want to do bare minimum they will tiktok live stream and i see them challenge other people and uh, interact with other people um tell them like you know they pose a question and they get you get a stream of following of people who you find want to discuss things with you maybe feel the way you feel about something um very passionately or just people who are like oh i really like their vibe and i like what you're talking about and i want to listen I mean, and then you get people who I guess claim that I am, which is like a thirst trap. Which is like, here I am, shirtless, working out. See me work. I've never done that, but I see people doing it all the time. So yeah. I would say if you want to do a, a live stream and you didn't promote it, go on TikTok because yeah. TikTok will look at things that you've liked and kind of promote you naturally and show you. And people will tune in like, who is this? What is this? I didn't think about that. I actually did not know yeah. that. So it's like, that's something I will consider. Cause like granted TikTok, in terms of my socials, TikTok's the one where I have the least amount of followers, but it's, mm -hmm. it's but probably. See, it, I would say that one also like all it takes is one viral video to really kind of like put you out there, you know? Yeah. And you, it does require effort. You know, I've got, I've had a few viral videos too. Um, but I would say all it takes is one video and it's got to be like, what are you about? And once people know that what you're about you, then you can start using like really popular sounds like, you know, different trends. You want to see what the trends are. If there's a popular sound or trend out, if you can follow it, people tune in and then you, you go viral. 
and then that's when you really have a chance to really let people know more about who you are. Yeah. So I would say it's a great tool. I, I would, I wish I could do it more. Uh, I think during the pandemic, I definitely did it more because I had the time living in London. Um, it was a simple one. I didn't even have to talk. I think <laughs> I was, it was like what people think I am versus what like I was pointing to these things, what people thought I was and what I really am. That's like sh- yeah. went viral. So really just that allows you to be creative not as much effort and promotion because if it's something that people have never seen before, if it's something that it's like, okay, there's a niche for this, it'll be pushed out through the algorithm. Yeah. So I was saying, you know, it's a niche to, to get into if you haven't, because I would say it would help, it will help you um, really get a fan base. Now I will say there's some people who are really amazing on TikTok. They don't have anything on, on Instagram, you know, but I will say, if you want to, you could put a link to your YouTube. But I'm, I'm not saying it's going to connect them all. But I will say it will help you get a following of people who t- turn in, tune into your live streams. Because maybe you want to do your live streams on TikTok, but you film them, and then you can put them on YouTube. Yeah. That is something. Because, like, the thing is... I try and like the thing that I'm working the most towards now is this, but like obviously I try and like balance everything because it's like between music and doing this, but it's like this I try and I try and stick to like two days a week. I try and stick to like Monday, Thursday, so that way like it's a little bit easier. Yeah. And it's also it's like so that it, that way I can get like I have to say God God bless the Go Go Boy community because they will they they are usually who I interview. Like granted, some people will be like you're interviewing another Go Go Boy. It's like well listen, I interview who I can. Like yeah, who it's also about who is willing to give their time. You know, yeah. I think anything that's related to LGBTQ expressing yourself is a great thing. Um, you reached out to me. I don't see any reason why yeah. I wouldn't interview with you. I looked at your page. I didn't yeah. see like you're promoting anything, I don't know, radical or weird. I think it was just about being no. gay out and about. Okay, why not? Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's like that's why some people like try and put like political stuff. I I had my moment of that. Is before this started taking up so much of my time. I used to do this music and a political show, and then I'm like, once this started taking up so much of my time, I dropped the political show. I'm like, thank God, because like, it's yeah. You gotta be. I mean, I think people make lots of things political too, and I feel like I um, during 2020 there was something I was very passionate about, and I think people said it was political. I was like, that's not political. It's called human rights, but whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how people human rights. Are. Human rights is not a political thing. It's a, I think you should be born with a right to be treated fairly. Yeah. So, but no. I don't know. People are stupid. Anyway, so where are you originally from? So I grew up in Austin, Texas, but I moved away after college to London and I was a teacher. So I was a high school biology teacher. I taught chemistry and physics and biology in London. I taught for several years and I came back mainly because of the pandemic. Um, living in London, 
and I mean, in Europe in general, we would go into these lockdowns, you know, and London was in a lockdown. And it'd be lockdown, and we'd open up, and then we'd lock down, and we'd open up. And it was very like, if you're going to go to America, you can go, but we don't know if you're going to be able to come back. And I couldn't come back to America until like, I would say towards the end of 2021, almost. And I had to think to myself, like, I love living in London. I love the like opportunities to travel. I liked being a teacher there. I liked what I was being paid to be a teacher there. But I think um, I was worried about my mom. And I was like, okay, if I need to get to her, if things don't get better, um, I don't want to like not be able to get her because I heard it happen to so many people. When I could finally come back after I had taken a COVID test before I went, I had to be vaccinated. I got the AstraZeneca, the one that everyone was making fun of on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's like Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca. Like, you know, that's the one I got. Um, and I could only see her for a week and then I had to go back and I had to uh, take another COVID test before I left America. And then one when I got there on day two and then one on day eight. And then I had to quarantine for a week. Like that was so complicated. I was like, is, are things, I was like, are we going to be like this forever? Um, so I made the tough choice and I was like, let me move back to America. I don't really like drinking alcohol and I just because I don't like the empty calories, but, um, on the way back, which by the way, that, that first way back, there was like five people on that plane, all masked up. I was on United. Yeah. And then when I finally moved back, I had another teaching job in America. I mean, I was, I was crying. I was in my mind, I had to say goodbye to my mates, my friends. You know, I liked my life in London. Uh, I liked the opportunities I was getting in London because I was, you know, I could go, I was going to like go model in like, um, Malaga in Spain. I'd go uh, model in like Brussels, uh, the south of France, work with different photographers. This is a brand called Molly and Tommy based in Spain. Uh, they photographed me. Like when I got that money, just after like 40 minutes of modeling, like, like the pounds, I was like, yes, like this is just, you know, opportunity yeah. after opportunity after opportunity. It was like, it was like, boom, here we go. And I'm glad I had all those, those things happen. But it was also kind of like a nice send off for me because I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, my mom matters a lot to me, and I don't need to be with her if things get worse. And when I move back again, um, I drank, like, I was like, can I please get some coffee with Bailey's in it? I just want something sweet. <laughs> and I was still crying a little <clears throat> bit. I used my points to get first class. I was like, I just I might as well enjoy first class. Because I had packed my bag. My life was in London, so I had to, like, send bags over. Uh, and then I, I tried to like take bags with me and then some of the bags were obviously overweight, but if you're first class, you can go above. The, yeah. I think you can go up to 50. So I was just like, just please, I'm going to upgrade to first class, please. Thank you. And cried my eyes out back to America. Cause I was, <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm going to say goodbye to that life. And, but I, I moved back and tried teaching again for a year. And I was like, wow, what is this pay? Like, you know, but also, what is this working for free? And also, what's all, like, the disorganization? Dis you know, the disorganization, the pay, the hours, what they're expecting from you. I'm like, look, COVID, we just got out of it. You want us to do this and you want to do this, but, like, the math isn't mathing because how do you expect to do this with this? And I I left during um, a huge, they call it, like, the teacher, like, um, not teacher migration, but teacher resignation. Um, like I think 75% of teachers left uh, in 2022. 
and I became part of it because I was just like, I can't do this. Um, I can't. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss the impact I made on those kids. You know, I think yeah. hopefully they look back and be like, Mister, Mister. Uh, oh, I was fantastic. <laughs> they when they think of me, they think of me as someone who they laughed with, they found inspiring, they learned, felt comfortable, felt safe, right, uh, and become really amazing, good people in the world who are educated and can think with their heart and their brain about the world around them and and really know what facts are versus opinions and, and science, you know? Um, so I will miss that. <laughs> but um, now being a fly, I, I told them, I was like, Mom, I'm going to be a fly attendant. I can't do this anymore. Because I was, I think it was messing with my mental well-being because I think I, I was just kind of like feeling like I gave up this incredible life. Now I'm back here in Texas. I kind of hate this. <laughs> I don't. Um, what? I, pl- I, pl- I applied and then boom, here we go. I was like, here we are. And then here I am. My life is changed. And the opportunities are still there. I still model for, uh, it's a brand called Yours, New York, New York, which is a gay-owned yeah. uh, luxury underwear brand in New York City. And yeah. it's just amazing. Someone someone saw me as a model. Someone, I, I don't even think they follow me and I don't know them. But they said, yeah, this person referred you. So you never know who's watching you, you know? Right. Um, and then I, I just did this thing with Trinifol. It's a really popular, like, gay fashion. They have, like, gay circuit outfits, clothes, you know, you name it, fans, everything. And they reached out to me and gave me a few items to go ahead and model and promote. So really, you, when you think one door is closing, the opportunities behind the other one, there are many. It's just scary. And I think we have to remember, like, it's okay to be scared, but, like, want just go for it, so. Well, right, I can, well, I will say this, I can understand, first of all, being a teacher in Texas, I can, well, I shouldn't say that, because, as I, as I told you, I'm in Florida, which I officially now say is the dumbest state in the United States. I'm just going to put. <laughs> I can't say anything uh, that I agree or disagree, but I will say People have their opinions, and I do find some of the policies interesting. As as I always tell people, especially now with this podcast, the the minute I can get the fuck out of Florida, I'm leaving. Like, but Miami's amazing. The beach, Tampa's beautiful. It is beautiful weather, but I get it. Like, it's um, it's like I I. I I've lived here my whole I life. Don't. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, see, that's why. See, that's yeah. why. Yeah, okay. yeah. I get it. No need yeah. to explain further. I get it. Yeah. As I will say, I'm not somebody. I'm. I'm gonna stay on the East Coast. I think. I think I've made that decision because, like, the only West Coast city I would even consider like moving to would be Seattle, but Seattle's like crazy expensive. <laughs> you could try Charlotte. No, I'm just kidding. I. No offense to Charlotte. No, if I'm if I decided to move, if I'm staying in the South, I'm moving to Atlanta. Like, okay, I got it. Because it's like it's a big enough city, but it's cheap. So like, and it's like it's it's still the South, but it's like it's like the melting pot of the South. So like. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I heard good I heard good things about Atlanta. And it's so pretty. And they actually have seasons in Atlanta. That's not 
Okay, understood. You want seasons. So like, I, I just worked a flight and we stayed in Miami and I was like, I, I had no idea it was wintertime because it doesn't feel like wintertime here. No, nope. <laughs> no. It is. It felt humid. I felt like I was... Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're good. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. Like everyone's advertising all this winter stuff. I'm like, it's 85 degrees outside here. I can't think about this. Like uh, winter. The, I'm humid- like- the humidity is pretty strong. I felt like, you know, I was like, man, what is this? This is completely different than New York City. So I know New York. I- I'd love to. I can't afford it. I'd love to live in New York City, but like, well, you can't afford it yet. We're gonna say yeah. that the right opportunities will come into your life that will allow you to be in the spaces that you want to be if you really want yeah. them. Exactly. So, what was it like for you growing up as a kid? So, grew up with a single mom. My mom is Thai. If it's anybody who watches ever Thai people's wedding cop, okay. Um, it was challenging, I think, because a single mom doing her best and sometimes feeling like she couldn't give you as much as she wanted to. You know, I think, like, uh, she, my mom, she didn't get to go to school as a kid. So I think for me, she was like, Michael, you've got to go to school. Like, you really, school education is the best way for you to change your life. Um, so she was really adamant about me staying on top of my school. Uh, she was doing everything on her own, you know, making Asian desserts in the Asian market, like the Chinatown, to take care of me. Um, but I could see sometimes the stress, you know, it would, it would put on her, you know, to really provide for me by herself. Right. And trying to make sure, like, my, you know, like, she was taking me to reading camp, so I get good at reading. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say but I was a happy kid, you know. I, I feel like my mom, she did her best to make me happy. I think she, I wouldn't say she overcompensated, but she did her best to make me happy with, like, whatever food what i wanted like she knew i like i love barbie like there was one time at mcdonald's um my sister was with me and i asked like can i i was like can i have a happy meal with a doll please and like it came out and it was a toy car i was like um and i looked so sad you know my sister told me that i got a toy car my mom like took the car and she's like excuse me he wants a doll please and she's like excuse me ma'am and she's like you heard me girl he wants a doll give him the doll <laughs> and she got my Barbie for me. So my mom is amazing. Um, but I would say, like, I had to grow up a little bit faster. She developed um, diabetes uh, when I was, like, in middle school. And, you know, I don't think people understand, like, how serious diabetes was back then and how it is now. It really can lead to a lot of – it can really damage the body in lots of ways if it's left unchecked and you don't treat it right. correctly. Um, and that was scary sometimes in the – if someone is supposed to get like hypoglycemia, their blood sugar can drop so low it can put them into a coma. And there was one time I went to the hospital and she was in really bad shape. And I don't think we knew it was diabetes. So it really shaped my understanding of like health and wellness as well. Right. Uh, about understanding DNA and genes. And a lot, it actually, what some people don't know, epigenetics. What um, it's basically you are who you are because of your parents and what they exposed you to. If you, if they were stressed and you were in the stomach, if they exposed you to so many different, that, that stress, it, it develops your neural pathways in your brain, you know? Um, so I, it inspired me to be a better person and son to make sure I looked after her because 
she'd done everything she could to, to take care of me. Yeah. So I would say I was a happy kid, but it was also, I got reality check about life really quickly. See, I would say, like, whenever you have, like, a sick parent, you have to, like, grow up faster. I know that because um, my mom was um, diagnosed with cancer when I was 15. So, like, hmm. it's, like, all of a sudden, like, granted, I had both of my parents, but it's, like, eventually when she got worse which is when I was eight, which when I was like 17, 18, I was the one who was expected to like stay home and take care of her. So like, yeah, I, I relate to yeah. that. I think my, yeah. my siblings, they were all older than me, but like, you got to take care of mom. You got to take care of mom. You got to help take care of mom. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm only, I'm only 14. What are you talking about? You know, I'm only 16. Like, how am I supposed to do it? Um, you know, because I was going with her to her doctor's appointments. Right. And I would be like looking at the medicine. Uh, I'd be helping out with like um, understanding like the Medicare Medicaid process. So my mom can't read English, you know. Oh um, yeah, and, wow. And, and then and then my my siblings, I think they were all on their own kind of I don't know, busy with their own lives. But I was like stressed. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's stressful on a kid because you know. You're kind of doing it by yourself, but yeah. she's okay. <laughs> and your mother is she? It's coming with my next question. So, what was it like for you coming out? Oh yeah. So, um, gosh, coming out. Ah, uh, you know what? I told my brother, and my brother like threw me out the closet. <laughs> I told him. I think I was like, sixteen. And then he told my mom a conference. He was like, "Mom, mom, like Michael's gay, but you need to like love him, and you know, and he's he's still your son. He's still my brother. He he still loves me, my brother. And he's like, maybe he doesn't know, but maybe he really is. We don't know, but whatever it is, we have to love him. Is what my brother said. Right. But he didn't let me tell my mom. And one day, I think my mom, she she knew, and I think I don't know what I had done. She was just like, I know you're gay. And she was washing dishes. And she was just like, you think I don't know? But I do. And she, and I think it's because I had, I was like maybe 17 at that time. And like, a, I think a guy, I met a guy, I was working in the movie theater. And this really handsome guy had given me his number. But I think he was obviously older. Um, and she's just like, he had called the house. And she's just like, I think that was the last straw. And she was just like, you know, you have people calling this house who don't need to call it, call here. And she's just like, you know, if she, your sister could be like that because she doesn't live under this roof, but you live under this roof and you follow my rules. And she's just, she was crying. She's like, I tried so hard by myself. And I felt like the walls were spinning around, you know, around me. So I, you know, I later learned from her that she, you know, I would talk to her again. She's like, mom, I was like, mom, what do you see when you see me? And she's like, I see someone who's, who's lost and confused. I was like, well, mom, I'm not, I'm not lost or confused, but I am trying to find my way. And I hope you'll be with me. So it was tough in the beginning. And then uh, in college, you know, I had a boyfriend. She wasn't really happy about that. Um, but there was somewhere in college still in the beginning, I think she picked me up and we were driving and she's just, you know, she's like the government, so stupid. I'm like, about what, mom? She was just like, 
the gay. She's like, if gay want to get married, they should get married. Love is love. Yeah. Something you cannot stop. People were born this way. <laughs> I was like, really? She's like, yeah, people born blue eyes, you know, brown skin, curly hair. People are born gay. I was like, okay, mom. <laughs> and, you know, I, it was a gradual process. I think my sister took a lot of the heat because I think my, my mom had seen my sister being a lesbian. My mom was accepting of that, but she also saw, understood that, like, what love is it? You can't define love by, yeah. you know, gender, you know, happiness. If you were in love and you were happy, you're in love and happy. Right. So I will yeah, say too. A- yeah. So I will say to my coming out, since you did ask about my mom. So I came out four months after my mom died. So... As somebody said, like lots of like life changes at once. <laughs> it was because so, you maybe do you wish you had been able to tell her. But then I, I would say I think I think I, some people I, feel like moms know. I feel like she knew because this is the thing. Like, yes, theoretically I was brought up in like a conservative household, but like my mom was also the one who introduced me to Madonna. So, I mean, like, that goes back to your theory of she probably knew. Like, oh, why would she, she be? She knew. Yeah. Did, she, did you guys sing together Madonna songs? <laughs> well, I brought, I, she, she wouldn't introduce me to, like, what I call the fun Madonna. She wouldn't introduce me to erotica. I started, like, at Ray of Light and then, like, learned about, I learned about, like. Ray, Ray of Light's still good. Yeah, and then I learned about, like, newer Madonna, and then I learned about, like, Like a Virgin and all of that, but it's, like, the whole, like, except for, like, Vogue, the, like, the latter half of the 90s was skipped, and I'm, like, eventually, when I started doing research on my own, I'm, like, oh, this is why my mom didn't show this to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she didn't feel like it was appropriate at the time, but she was still yeah. showing you, like, but I would say, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but like I will say, my dad and my I have a di- I, my dad and I have an older sister who is both ex- for both accepting. So that's the good part. I had okay. a bad part. I had a bad part. We're about to get into it. Okay. So I came out. I came out to youth minister at the church, which was a mistake. First? No, he was not the first person I came out to. I had come out to other people, and then I came out to him, and then I told him like about you could the- trust him. Yeah. Then I told him about like this performance idea I had with like a knife and how I'd practice stabbing myself because I'm dramatic, obviously. And he left the room. He came back. He came back in about 10 minutes later. He said, you have one of two options. Either you're coming with me or I'm calling the cops. And knowing what he had done to me, what he did to me, I would have let him call the cops now. So he took me to get a psyche valve. I passed it. He lied to the people administering the test to make it seem like I was lying to them when I was giving them the answers. Uh And as a result, I got locked in a mental institution for 64 hours. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then your parents had to find a way, like your dad had to find a way to get you out. Well, yeah. It's not that. It's like, so, okay. So I was brought in on a weekend. The, that's the only reason I believe that I had to stay so long. Okay. Because okay. the, like, weekend psychiatrist tried to make me feel guilty about, like, being a performer. He was like, playing with knives is dangerous. I'm like, I know that. Like, not an I'm idiot. Dramatic. I'm just dramatic. I'm just dramatic. Yeah. And then, like, on Monday when I met, like, the, like, regular psychiatrist, he's like, he even told my dad, he's like, this is a well-adjusted young man. I don't know why somebody brought him here. Yeah, well-adjusted and dealing with grief, but also still finding ways to express himself in a healthy way. Yeah. You were pretending. It wasn't like you were, you were cutting. No, I was like, effects. I was like, like people like throw knives at their partner spinning on a wheel. Like it's, I, yeah. Yes. It's dramatic. It's People like flames. Yeah. I, yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's like this is the thing, and I didn't put it to him like this, but I should have. I should have been like, I'm a fucking musician. What do you expect me to have? Like, yeah, of course I have like eccentric, crazy ideas. That's what makes me a musician. Like, duh. Mm -hmm. And then anyway, after he got caught, he had a meeting with me and a priest. Who put me with a therapist? That's how it was told to me. She was not a therapist. She was a counselor that worked with the church. And she tried to pray the gay away. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's that's I think that's traumatic. Mm -hmm. And that on their side, dramatic. Yeah. But it's like, I look at everything like, yes, it was traumatic, but all the things, I will say, all the tragedies that happened in my life, I'd say that I've been raped, I've been sexually assaulted, like, two different instances. It's like, all the shit that happened to me, I put it into my art and it makes me stronger because I, I then get to be a mouthpiece and say, like... Yes, to speak your truth. Mm -hmm. and I think that's really healthy because I feel like a lot we live in a world where a lot of people a lot of people will um, hide behind alcohol they will hide mm -hmm. behind drugs um, yeah. or they just won't ever say anything and I feel like they let trauma sort of kill them slowly because they never right. like to speak about it and I think there's the shame about speaking about it. Oh, I don't want to talk to a therapist. Oh, I'm fine. Oh, it's okay. Love to throw back the bottle. Um, and it really makes me sad because I wish more people would find ways to express themselves that will allow them to um, face that trauma. Because I think it's, a, I was doing research recently. It's, I think it's called EDMR where basically you have to relive the trauma, like you unpack it like a file and you you recall it and then you follow like these fingers and it's almost like you're rubbing it away. Yeah. And But you're rubbing it away. So by you expressing your art and your creativity, 
you're reliving it, but you're rubbing it away by making it become something else. So it's no longer this sort of sadness or pain, but the source of, you know, like losing your mother, mom, I love you. And I know you love me too, wherever you are. And you yeah. know, I'm gay. You know, right. the person who harmed me, whoever you are, you know, I forgive you, but you don't have power over me. And you have your own demons to deal with. And in, in hurting me, you did hurt me, but I'm letting that, I'm not going to let that own me. Right. And, and I think that's powerful stuff, but people can't get to that stage um, because they get stuck, you know, and I would say mental health, like big, and anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, uh, or high again behind addiction. Um, it can really affect their neural pathways. There's science behind it. It's not just like people are like, oh, it's just feelings. It's not just feelings, people. There's science behind this. This affects your neural pathways. And the neural pathways will affect your relationships with people and how you interact with them and how you will right. live your life into the future, whether or not you're going to live a long, healthy, happy life, or is it going to be a life that's full of struggle because you can't get past, I guess, quote unquote, your own demons. Right. And um, by you, I would say by you expressing yourself in your, in your music and your art, Absolutely. this podcast, Yes. You develop neural pathways in your brain that allow you to be more resilient, but also make new memories and allows you to foster forgiveness and love for yourself. And that's a really powerful tool that I think many people could use in their life. You know, I'm, I'm in a similar situation right now, um, helping someone I really love and care about. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to say deal, but heal from the trauma. And they often like to like avoid any kind of conflict. They don't like to bring up their their traumas or their past. And um, like I, I feel like even when I have tried to bring it up in counseling, you know, for helping them, um, they got so upset and they got so furious that I had I had shared something that they thought was um, theirs to share. But I was like, it's affecting our relationship. Mm, right. So I really commend you on being powerful enough within yourself to find a voice because some people will never find their voice if they don't find a way to heal and yeah as you said you have to like literally today as i said with that live performance i had written a song i performed it for the first time today it was called it's called rape and it's talking about that because my thing is what you said to that point is like after i wrote the song after i performed it i'm like you've you've held on to this for eight years like you've held on to this for eight years. How much longer are you going to let this like rule over your life? And I'm like, granted, yes, it was hard. And I will admit I cried a lot yesterday before I decided I'm, I'm, I was like, or when I wasn't like sleeping, I was like tearing up. And like, I realized I'm like, no, you have to do this. You have to do this now. Cause it's like, it's going to let you express yourself and let, let it go. Because 
writing exactly. it out and and reading it out loud lets it out of your thoughts. And I yes. would say, I think people don't, it's a very simple thing. If you just write down how you're feeling and you say it out loud or find a safe space to speak it to, a soundboard, right. that could be a friend, doesn't have to be a therapist for people who watch it. Like, I don't have money for a therapist yeah. or I don't want people to think I'm crazy. And I want you to tell someone you really trust what's on your mind, um, who you feel safe around mm -hmm. and notice the effect it has on you. You know, because I... <sighs> My mom always said, you can't keep things inside to yourself all the time. It'll it will destroy you. You've got to speak it out sometimes. You've got to find a way to speak it out, to let it go, to let it not own you. Right. But I would say that I know that not everyone's the same like that. My mom, she's a very unique Thai Asian woman. Asian people, a lot of the time, like, are very stone cold, very, like, no emotions. But my mom with me, I think with me, she was maybe... My siblings say she was softer with me, but I think it's also I brought out her vulnerability and I, I feel like I helped her express herself. Right. Um, and she would talk to me. So I feel like we live sometimes in some cultures where they just don't want to talk about anything. Everything's fine. It's just fine. Um, there, there's no problem here, but really there's like problems. Like it's like a sinking ship. And like you want me to stand on the sinking ship with you. Let's like let's get out of the ship together. But some people right. won't. And I think, you know, this person I really care about, I was like, I can't do this by myself. And they finally agreed to go to counseling. And I think it's gonna be and this is one thing I would say too about facing trauma and things like For the person going through the trauma and the journey to heal, it's going to be really difficult, very difficult, very mm -hmm. challenging. It's yes. going to be a long one. And I would say for the person who loves them and is with them, it's going to be hard and, and difficult as well. So just know it's difficult on both sides. Right. And it's going to be difficult on both sides to the people around you who love you, your parents, your, your friends. Um, and the road to healing and letting trauma not own you takes patience and it takes work. Right. But it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. No, it's hard. It's also what I think people don't understand about trauma is like, especially I'm going to talk about more like rape, sexual assault, because it's something I can speak on, obviously. But it's like, if you don't like put that out and you don't get past that, you're never going to be able to be in a successful relationship because you're always holding on to something. Yes, that is true. I would agree with that. And, yeah. you know, the research, the research shows that, but it also I see that from, you know, my own experiences in, in the past. So. So we'll see, you know, like. I'm always manifest the best, so. No, I'm not, I haven't given up. I, I'm, you know, I'm not giving up hope. Um, but I will say, I think for myself, I'm going to need to foster some patience. No, and it's like. 
hope and like all that being vulnerable it's as you talked about with this podcast that's the one thing where it's like I will say I love art. Like I love making music. Like making music is always my first love. There's sometimes with certain things why I started this podcast. Cause like I felt like at some point I had to dumb down some of my art. Cause it's like sometimes you do stuff that's shocking or you say something that's shocking and like mm-hmm. you just do it. Cause it's like, that's how your thoughts think. And it's like, Okay. So I'm thinking about this as an artist and other artists who are like intellectual, they're like artistically intellectual are getting what I'm saying, but the average person is not getting what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's like reading between the lines. Right yeah. An artist can, can read behind the lines and say like, okay, you're not trying to be scary. You're really talking about this message. No. Yes, exactly. And it's like, you have to dumb things down. De- that sounds I would You get what I'm it's, saying. It's all about the presentation. You've got to present it in a way that makes it um, a little more broad so that more people can tune in instead of tuning out. Simplify. Simplify. There's a word. Simplify. That's what I meant you to sim- say. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got to simplify it. Yeah. Because I, I feel like... <laughs> I'm living in London... There's a, there's a way of presenting things in a very nice way. So you just got to work on the presentation, the delivery, which is going to be yeah, simplified. Right. I said I said simplify because I realized like dumbing down makes it sound like people are idiots. But no, people just <laughs> don't know. You gotta you gotta <laughs> phrase it different ways. People's different education levels, what they what they're used, to, what they've experienced. I get it. I yeah. Understand. Work. So, what was it like for you moving to New York City? What was that? So I did this body tender training after it was over. It was like we had like five days to kind of like get ourselves collected and like boom, go. And had to quickly find a place to stay, found a place. Um, I got a couple of flatmates, also offline attendants. And I mean, it was exciting. I mean, I would say like I'd already moved to, when I moved to London, that was more stressful. I was like, if I can move to London, another country, and make it work. I'm going to be able to make it work in New York City. Because New York City, I would say, is the closest thing to being like a sister of London. Very similar in right. so many ways. So I would say it was just kind of like, here I am. I'm, I'm in the American version of London. And, you know, I'm so used to riding the train in London, the tube. You know, just I'm so used to that kind of lifestyle. So it was kind of like copy-paste. Yeah. Um, and it, I would say it's been it's been great to experience that life there. And... Um, my colleagues are amazing that I get to work with in New York City. Um, I think New York City has so much culture. Uh, I mean, Central Park is lovely to the yeah. holidays at Christmas tree, little Christmas markets, which they have little Christmas markets in London as well, um, when they decorate each borough. So I know in New York City, they call them boroughs. And in London, they call them boroughs too. I didn't know, I didn't know America yeah. had that, but they decorate them. And I just, I think it's been fantastic. Um, I would say the only thing is it wasn't New York that was sometimes lonely. I think sometimes being a flight attendant can be um, sort of lonely. And if you don't, if you're not well connected with, with, with yourself and with people, you know, maybe right. it's your colleagues, but also your friends and family, let them know where you are. Um, which I've got to call my mom pretty soon to be like, hey, mom, I'm here. <laughs> I tell her where I'm yeah. at so she doesn't have to worry. 
Um, but I, I would say it's been amazing. Um, and this career has really helped me see so many amazing places within the last year, like going to Sao Paulo in Brazil, going to Santo Domingo uh, in the Dominican Republic, to Guyana, um, yeah. to going to Barcelona, to just meeting people and seeing more of America. I think I've, I didn't really have an appreciation for the States. Um, and there are a lot of beautiful states out there. And I, I can say that I've, I've seen um, that are beautiful and, you know, have their own way of doing things. And you can see that the people living there are happy. Yeah. Um, and I would say places that are like, they mind their business, they're peaceful. They're not trying to, they're not, I don't know, aggressive. They might not agree with you, but they're going to still respect you as a person. And I would say most of yeah. America has been like that from what I've seen. You're talking about the beautiful, the beautiful states. You also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the downside. You also have seen the garbage states. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would say there's some places I'm like I would probably never ever come here, but this is a cute, peaceful place, Raleigh, Durham, <laughs> Greenville. <laughs> wow, <laughs> would never be here, but this is a peaceful place. It's cute, you know. Um, Salt Lake City. Some, like, oh. You know, oh yeah, no, I mean like <laughs> really like. I think it was like, is it Cleveland, Ohio? I've never been. It was, it was, it was, it was cute. You know, I mean, people were nice. I mean, Omaha, Nebraska. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Missouri. I mean, yeah. So I, I would say it's been a unique experience, <laughs> but I have no regrets. No, and it's like the things that you point out, it's what I miss about. So I don't live in a city currently. I lived in Orlando for four years. So it's like that was kind of like me running. As I say, I, I'm originally from South Florida, but I'm from small town South Florida. So I'm like mm -hmm. the minute the minute I had a chance to get out of this like small town, I literally ran to Orlando. I'm like, I'm like, I have to be in a city like. <laughs> Being in a small town sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I get it's it, like, I get it. it's like now, as you said, I will say that's the one thing about doing this podcast. It's like, not only do I do, have I done like interviews with people all over the United States, but I've done interviews with people internationally. So it's like, yeah, I've had no, a chance. So you really, you're, you feel connected. Mm -hmm. I've had a chance to interview somebody in Australia, Spain, England, like, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that gives, like, this way of, like, creativity that can help you thrive. Yeah. So, and if you feel like you're thriving and you're making these connections, your brain is also making new connections and you build brand new neural pathways, which is good for your well-being overall. Yes. It, uh, it can, and also, I mean, I don't think it, it can contribute. There's something about, they say, meditation can contribute to, like, gray matter, but I would say, like, if in a way, if, if meeting new people and having these positive interactions is is positive, I would say in its own way it's like meditation because it's reflective because you're speaking your truth and you're hearing their truth and you're seeing where we're connected, where we're two different people, but still is a connection of trauma or sadness, but strength and pride. Um, it can help you I think mean, build that sort of like gray matter as well, I would argue. There's probably not enough research yeah. on it yet, but, you know, the human connection.
Yeah. It's like the other thing I well granted. As I say, you sit down with enough people doing this, you do develop some friends. Are you friends with everybody? No. Because it's like Oh, of course not. Yeah, I mean, some co-workers I see in this job, you hope that you hang out and meet again, but you might not ever, but they were great people. And that's no, nice and, to have that. Yeah, and it's like, the other thing is, I try and support as many people as I can, but it's like, the more I've gotten into this, it's like, I realize I'm like, wow. I gotta be selective about who I try and be friends with, because it's like, this, as you said, this is a, this is a medium where you're just gonna keep on growing and growing and growing. So there's going to be more and more and more people. So you got to figure out who you actually, like who's genuine. Who's genuine and who also, who has the yeah. capacity to be there for you and match the capacity that you're giving them. Exactly. Understood. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. So what made you get into modeling? So I... I was in a relationship. I got dumped. I never did a fitness competition. If I was like, you should try to do a fitness competition. I was like, 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 like they put a spray tan on you and you go up in like shorts. That kind of She's like, yeah. And so I like worked hard. I had hired a personal trainer. We were working on it. You know, I'd never been shirtless like that. This is like 2012, you know, and um, I uh, posed on that stage. I remember I got like second place, you know, and I was like, yeah, I want to like, get some modeling photos of this of me looking like this and I remember the first modeling photo I took um I was like wow I look I think I look beautiful <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever felt that way about myself um and I, I did more fitness competitions I got better at it and um I would you know do a little bit more modeling and then eventually when I moved to Europe, moved to London, that's when the modeling opportunities started popping up. You know, they were like, if you want to model this, it'd be good to have you this model. And I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> this thing called Best Gay Life, they had like gay luxury things as well. Um, underwear, swim trunks, you name yeah. it. And uh, group modeling as well. I had to group model, model with other men. I was like, oh my God, I've never had to do this before. Are they going to be mean? Are they going to be nice? You know, some gay, some straight. Like, I don't know, are people going to have an attitude? Like, it was just, it just took off. And I got better at understanding my body and what looks good because I was still doing fitness competitions as well. And I'd hired like a posing right. coach. His name is James Alexander. He's an amazing uh, fitness coach. Um, he's British. He works with WBFF. I think now he lives, I think it might be Australia. I don't know where exactly, but he's just amazing. And uh, I worked with this other uh, posing coach as well online. And, um, she just she knows her stuff. She does Miami Pro, um, WFF, and like it's it's basically power poses. And power poses, they say, are really good in helping your self esteem, but also if you're having a stressful day. You know, this is not a power pose. Power pose like Superman, that's a power pose. But if it's also yeah. like, hmm. <laughs> so if you feel powerful in it, and it just modeling made me feel powerful in the sense that I think I've got. A healthy, strong, beautiful body that I present that I've worked hard, worked hard on, but I'm also able to send a message out there sometimes too, whether it be funny or serious about like mental health, or, like loving your body the way it changes because it changes all the time. Right. To you know what gives me peace. So. 
first of all, I will point out, definitely understand like insecurities about yourself. <laughs> definitely have them uh, have them myself. I am what was it? I made a story about this not that long ago. I said I said like sometimes you have to call yourself ugly a thousand times to finally realize that you're beautiful. Like and it's like yeah. it's, it's, you have it's to, you have to remind yourself you, and i think we, yeah. we forget too it's sad i think we sometimes put ourselves down it can be an ongoing thing and i would say it's something i, I express that i i think i suffer, suffer from like body dysmorphia um i haven't been diagnosed it's a brand new thing uh where you really are down on yourself and the thing is it's not really healthy to be like that because I will age and I will get older and I have to look back and be like, yeah, my body was beautiful in that moment. I mean, it still is in this moment in time. I've just yeah. changed and nothing is permanent. Uh, everything changes and um, I have to learn how to accept these changes with grace. Right. Um, and that's, that's the self-work, which is something I'm, you know, I work on now. <laughs> Do I have it figured out clearly? Not yet. Um, no. Will I get there? I, I definitely will get there. But I'm going to have yeah. to be a little bit um, patient with myself. You know. And part of that part of that body dysmorphia is also like realize, okay, so you have to realize, you have to be realistic in what you want your body to be. Because I had that I had that moment. Okay, so I am six foot three. For the longest time, I thought you should weigh 150 pounds. And I'm thinking that doesn't, that doesn't make sense on your height. Yeah, no. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like, how is that healthy at all? Like that would mean I'm anorexic. Like no, literally. and I think it has a lot. It's 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 gay culture, I think, too. We um mm -hmm. You're like, what is a desirable gay man look like? If that's what a desirable man gay looks like, I need to look like that. He's more desirable than me. Maybe I'm not desirable enough. It's really a bad loophole that I would say a lot of gay men go through. I would say if you look at gay men out there who are like really attractive and fit, um, a lot of them are comparing themselves to other people too. They are. They'll tell you they they post a hot picture and yeah they look hot, but there's still this sort of like perhaps unhappiness when they compare themselves to somebody else, you know. Um, now is it all of them? No, I think there's some out there, whoever they are, you know, um, who are like I'm beautiful and I know it and I exude confidence. I would say one person who I think does that his name is Josh Moore. He does OnlyFans, British. Yeah. I think I think he knows he's beautiful. But he's humble, you know. He knows about his line of work. He knows he does only fans. He knows he makes some money, but yeah. he's still. I mean, I think to me he exudes confidence, but I think he's he is genuinely confident about himself and does not look down on himself. And I don't think he feels like he needs to compare himself to other people. Um, but that's not always the truth of everyone who's in that industry of only fans and modeling. You know, it, it can be a really like downing place if you start comparing yourself. So I would say when it comes to finding yourself beautiful in the journey there, we can't compare ourselves to other people. Yes, you can acknowledge someone is beautiful, but mm -hmm. the language in your head should not be they are hotter than me. It should be they're beautiful. 
and I'm also beautiful. It's not that they look better than me. They took a really good photo and I, I take a really good photo too. Um, and it's not a competition, you know? And if they had to competition them, it's fine. It's, it's not a competition to me and I'm not going to make it a competition. Okay, this is where I'm going to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and put the positive spin on this. Sometimes thinking you're ugly for a long time forces you to develop a personality. And I say that is more important than thinking that you're always beautiful. Because then chances are you become empty. I mean, I can see, like, I, when I mean beautiful, I mean, like, I yeah. set myself who I am, and I still think who I am is beautiful. And it's yeah. not just the physical features. It's, like, how my heart is, how I speak to people, how I treat people. And that one photo doesn't say anything about him or her or me. It's just a picture, and that's all it is. Yeah, and it's edited. Like, like... <laughs> And don't, you know, like lighting, the shadowing, how I pose. Am I, you know, just like you flex the bicep, you know, you're, am I flexing the abs, really breathing out? You know, it's, it's, it's all that. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, I do have to go pretty soon because yeah. I have to call my mom and I do have to go to the gym. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, hmm. I'll skip some. I'll find some time to have you back on because I have a lot more questions. But I'll get to the last question. So... What's the what's the biggest misconception about you? The biggest misconception about me? Yeah. Um I don't know if people think this, but I hope no one ever looking at my life thinks I've got it like I'm perfect. You know, I but I, I could see how people think perfect and to them I don't think perfect at all. Uh, I don't, I think the way people's comments are towards me and, and the DMs, like, I think all you're seeing is Instagram and yeah, I take a good photo and yeah, I model, but I think they have this misconception like he's got it, he's good looking, what, what kind of problems could he have? And I would say, I'm just posting a good picture because I have to model this thing, it's a job. Right. I, I can't be in tears modeling a swimsuit unless that's what it calls for. I don't know, but like, I, I ha it's a job. I'm just taking a good picture. I had to go in. The, the assignment was to go in, look seductive and sexy, and make it look like, you know, the booty is popping. If that was the assignment, then I had to do the assignment. Right. But it doesn't mean I'm just like, think I'm all that and got it all figured out. I don't. And it doesn't mean I've got my own, like, things that I have to deal with uh, in my day-to-day my -day basis. I would say, do not look at people with social media as these people that you desire to be because we're all human going through our own things. Some people more expressive than others. Uh, I'm just doing what I've always done. Use my platform as my voice. My body is my voice. And some people don't like that and some people do. And that's not really up to, you know, has nothing to do with me, it has to do with them. Right. Okay, so I'll answer this really quickly. So, some people have told me they think I'm shady. I don't agree with that at all. 
I will say I am a person who's like very blunt and honest mm -hmm. because I believe. Listen, some people feel like it's always like participation ribbies, ribbons. Everybody should be like deserving. If somebody does something, you should tell them they're good. No. If somebody, if especially musicians, like if I think that you suck, I'm not going to tell you that you're good. I'm going to tell you that I think you suck. Because I feel well, like, yeah, but but you're gonna say it, and then maybe the, you're gonna be like, I think you need more work on that because that was not as good as it could be. Yes, yes, okay, yes, you're right. I'm gonna be a little bit nice. I'm not gonna be like a you complete gotta, bit. You gotta work on that delivery. I do too. Believe me, I work on it on a daily basis. Yeah, and yeah, that's definitely the thing that like I've been told, but it's like. Listen, I'm real. I'm genuine, as I always say, like, this whole, like, how I am on this podcast, like, I'm not Ellen. Like, I'm not, like, secretly nice to all the guests and I'm mean behind the scenes. No, I'm the exact same person off camera what as you, I am on camera. What you, I mean, see, what you see is what you get. Yes, I get yeah. what you see is what you get. And I don't think people, if you look at my picture, I don't think you probably... From what you see in these pictures and what you talking to me now, I could see, you know, I get it all the time. I'm probably not what you thought I would be. I think people think I might be mean or stuck up. I get that a lot. Mm. Uh, or I think I'm just so much better than you kind of thing. I don't know. What... <laughs> I don't no, know how. I'm... Where are you getting that from? But no. I, I get that from people. No, you see, at least from like, at least from what I'm getting, you seem kind of like sweet, which I... Without you expecting. seem kind of like, yeah. But it's like, that's yeah, not. Like everyone's like, models, oh my god, a model can be nice. Yeah. Just because somebody's no. attractive doesn't mean that they're an asshole. Like, no, is, no. It, is it true for some people? Do I people? have my of problems? Course. Yeah, do I have my problems I need to work on? Yes, I do. Could I, you know, I think until I've been like, I'm really bossy. Here. But yeah, but on that side, no, but I do yeah. have to go. I know, right, you gotta we go. will <laughs> but we will continue this. Um, yeah. I promise we will. Yeah. So anyway, it was a pleasure getting to meet you. Pleasure, likewise. Thank you. And right. with that time. being, yes, next time. With that being said, this is Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed. Thanks so much. Pleasure. You're Thanks welcome. for watching.